0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast with your hosts Shelley and Bella. Hey everybody and welcome to episode one hundred and two of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories Podcast.
1: Can't believe it. Now our goal is two hundred or is it one fifty?
0: One fifty, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's just make you know let's make achievable steps.
1: Smart, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Smart, yeah. I, I did a uh course once um and they taught you that smart was uh, to do with goals had to be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timed. Still remember it?
1: And me, because that's why I said it.
0: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay then. Mm-hmm. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you once again for tuning in to us. Uh, for those that are just listening to us on the audio feed, yes, we are once again doing a video uh, video podcast as well uh uh, the podcast (laughs) um if um you are just listening to on audio that's absolutely fine just later on by the way we've got um richard lenny and ruth roper wild coming along as well uh they won't actually be here in body but they will be here in voice so we've got that with um coming up later on as well with their normal monthly uh slot that they do which is much appreciated and well received yes Today we are going to talk some stuff that Bella sorted out that I have no clue what she's going to talk about. So good luck with that I've one. I've only
1: got one thing. It really? is yes, and you know what? It is the best diet. Like if you want to lose weight, this is the best diet ever.
0: Could do with some of that. Yeah, could definitely do with some of that. I mean, I mean, not you. I. I could, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're losing it. It's finding me.
0: Well, that's I'm drinking my shake in the morning. I'm having a carrot for lunch, you know, and then food in the evening. So, yeah, it's well, hopefully you know. going somewhere. But um, anyway, they don't want to hear about all of that sort of stuff.
1: No, but I do truly have the best diet.
0: Okay. All right. Cool. Shall we save that a little bit for later on then? Sure. As, okay. Okay. Well, what I wanted to talk about today is uh, solar flares. Solar
1: flares solar flares, yeah, yep, way different to mine, but anyway, so yeah. what is a solar flare
0: Well a sorola f- a sorola flare uh-huh. <laughs> a solar flare is a coronal mass ejection, not as Bella said earlier, a coronal mass
1: ejaculation
0: yes, <laughs> not that. <laughs> The sun has not been watching too much Playboy channel and spaffed all over the solar system. Yeah. Okay? This is um, a coronal mass ejection. And basically what it is, um, to my understanding anyway, so the sun, as we know, is a, is a boiling hot ball of gas, right? That is obviously molten, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Very, very...
1: How's it staying in a ball?
0: Well, I'm glad you asked that. As far as I understand it, it's all to do with gravity Um, No, no, it's not. It's to do with magnetism, okay? The sun has poles, basically, just like we do. And every 11 years, it begins a new cycle, and it started a new cycle last year. And that cycle, or during that cycle, the magnetic pole shifts. And depending on how fast it shifts, sometimes what it can do is it can cause some of that molten gas to spew out yeah, because it's normally held in with this magnetic field. That magnetic field has now shifted. So some of it spills out into space and that's what causes these solar flares.
1: So Ba-da-ch! so hang on. So you said it's a ball of gas.
0: Yeah, superheated gas, yeah.
1: So it doesn't have a core. See, I always thought like if somebody f- turned the off switch on Turn the off, off switch on. Turn the off switch off on the sun. Right. That you might be able to walk on it, like they can walk on the moon. But that's not the case, is Have it? Have you
0: ever walked on a hot beach?
1: I just said, if all of the heat were gone, what's left? Is it, is it's just it gas. hard? But, or? They,
0: but, but yeah, but it's just gas.
1: I mean, it wasn't so, on that long it's, ago. It's, it's interesting,
0: actually, sorry. When you say that, it's superheated, and so it's gas now. So it does make you wonder that if it cooled... Then it would change states and it would become liquid and then solid. So maybe. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean I only just recently sadly learned that the moon is reflective and that what we're seeing is not really the moon that's glowing, it's reflecting. I didn't know that till just recently. Okay. Don't laugh at me. Not laughing. You better not. This is a lot
0: harder with video now because people can see that I'm really trying not to laugh.
1: Yeah, yeah, try harder. Okay. Mm. At least I'm willing to admit it. No, no,
0: that's good. I mean, yeah, I'm learning stuff all the time doing this show. I really am. So, no, not. I mean, I I learned today that the solar flares are caused because of the... Shifting of the poles The polling of the shifts (laughs) Um, The shifting of the poles So uh, yeah I did not know that Anyway look In 2017 there was a really big solar storm And it actually caused havoc um, Amongst the ham radio people You know the ham radio uh, enthusiasts And it turned their ham radio signals Into just static Um, It was actually when the Hurricane Irma um, Was ripping through the Caribbean Irma Irma, yeah, um, and uh, obviously that was a Category Five hurricane. It ripped through um, the Caribbean, and then um, in 2015, solar storms knocked out a global positioning system uh, in the U.S. Northeast. Um, and obviously, this this is going to be more of a concern later on. Uh, if you think about self driving cars. You know, I was speaking to someone the other day about. Um, when I was coming back from working uh, one day at a hotel um, up north somewhere, um, and I came down south, I was on my way back home, and stuck in traffic on the M6, anyone from the UK will know exactly what the M6 is like, and there was a a bloke in the, the lane next to me, now bearing in mind we were stopped most of the time, in a Tesla, and he was to all intents and purposes asleep he looked asleep he was in the driver's seat he had his seat reclined back his eyes were closed he had a kid in the back that was probably about four years of age in a seat with an ipad or something that they were playing on uh, and when the traffic started moving the car just accelerated down the road and he was he was still asleep um See,
1: I, that would scare me i mean obviously um human error is bad but i would hate to- for, like, you to have to call our friends and go, oh, yeah, Bella died because she was too lazy to steer the car.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. In fact, in your case, it would more likely be Bella died because she did steer the car. Um, but, uh, okay. <laughs> no, um, it, I mean, the car did slow down again because the the traffic suddenly started up. We, we went and then we came across, a, you know, another traffic jam ahead which was only you know a couple of hundred yards ahead and the car did slow down again and and it carried on doing that stop start thing and so okay it worked good excellent glad for him and even more glad for the kid that was sat in the back but we don't know when these solar storms are going to happen
1: is it the same as the um sunspot
0: sunspots I, I don't I didn't look into sunspots because um, don't, don't they take know. out
1: satellite TVs and things like sunspots, that
0: sunspots I believe are the uh, uh, sorry Lil, you're right she's having a dream and she's kicking her legs um, mm-hmm. so uh, sunspots I believe are areas where you can see an ejection I believe going on if you're looking through uh, you know a telescope with the sun not that you want to look through a normal telescope with the sun just saying but um yeah but i would need to look into that more to to know for sure but my point is is that we don't know when one of these solar storms is going to happen and if you happen to be in a self-driving car when the gps and everything goes down because of these solar storms or you know the electronics suddenly fail in in the device which is something we've all got to think about going forward because you know, um, it's the electrics that are, that are within the system that can fry as well. You know, that will affect all of our cars because all, all of the cars these days have electronic ignitions and everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, you know, what would happen to these cars like that um, if, if all of that happened? Carnage, that's what would happen. Can you imagine if, if the whole of that motorway or highway um, infrastructure um was actually covered in, in self driving cars and, and that happened at the time, what would happen to all of those vehicles?
1: It reminds me of a Stephen King movie called Maximum Overdrive.
0: Yeah, you've been stifling that yawn for flipping I'm ages. Trying. Just get it over with. No. <laughs> yeah, not on boring you or anything. Yeah, go on.
1: Have you seen that Maximum Overdrive? No. Old old Stephen King movie. And um all of the things came to life. Um, all the machines 18-wheeler trucks, lawnmowers. Pretty interesting movie. But, yeah. But you're talking about
0: the opposite, where nothing would work. Nothing would work, you know. Um, and, like I said, some of the things that we rely quite heavily on. So, um Yeah, in... Uh, uh, Really? Yeah, totally. Totally lost what my train of thought. Then okay, airline pilots. That's what I was going to say. Airline pilots. They're at uh, greater risk at the moment. This is reality. This isn't what ifs. This is reality. With these sto- solar fuck. Why can't I say solar?
2: Oh no! Well,
0: you had to yeah. get it. You had to let it go, didn't you? With these solar storms. um Airline pilots are actually at risk of um, getting cataracts from the solar storms when they hit. And female aircrew have actually seen higher instances of miscarriages during the events of solar storms. Because obviously they're, they're higher up in the atmosphere. They're more susceptible to it again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in March 1989, there was a solar storm that was over Quebec. That caused a massive province-wide outage that lasted for nine hours. Um and it it took down lots of different things. Uh, a 2017 paper in the Journal of American Geophysical Union predicted that blackouts caused by severe space weather Breathe. could strike as much as 66% of the US population. And it would give an economic loss of 45 sorry $41.5 billion a day. It wouldn't go on for too long, would it? Well it's just it's <laughs> absolutely crazy there was um, there was uh, a woman called Caitlin uh, Dakovich who um, said um, that it's remarkable to me the number of people, companies, etc., who think that space weather is still a Hollywood um, fiction. Um, and she's currently the pre- uh, Special Assistant to President Joe Biden and Senior Director of Resilience and Response in the National Security Council. Uh, Council. And she said that during a talk at the Solar Weather Conference last month.
1: You're killing me. <gasps> <laughs> I
0: didn't I didn't sleep enough. <laughs> That's not me killing you. What are people gonna think now? Um uh, probably good. Just stuff. just 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 enough. Um <laughs> uh-huh. Do you know President Obama um actually started a strategy to learn more about solar weather? or space weather as it's being termed and in fact Donald Trump signed the uh, pro-swift bill into law which aims to build technology to actually aid early warning and space space weather forecasting so that's quite interesting the UK's national grid they're the people who run our power systems here they're the people who run all of our transmission wires and poles that stretch across the countryside that you see now they've actually bought spare transformers that are ready to deploy in the event of these severe space weather storms. Um, The UK and the US have been working together for 15 years now on space weather forecasting. Did
1: you say 50
0: or 15? 15 on space weather forecasting and they produce daily reports now for airlines and power companies, satellite companies, etc. and anyone really that may be affected by these solar flares. So the reason why I'm mentioning this now is because last year the sun started its rotation again. It started this shift again of the poles. So we've
1: still got 10 years, though.
0: Well, by 2025, that's when it's going to be in the height of the stuff again. So it's 2025 that it looks like you know, we're going to start seeing a lot more of these solar storms. And like we saw with Irma, it doesn't just create these, these interferences with the uh, electronics, etc., but also with our weather as well. So uh, in terms of forecasting, um, you know, where are we at with that? Well, we can see an eruption on the sun, but we'll only know how severe it is when it hits our satellites, which are about a million miles from Earth. And that currently gives us a 60 to 90 minute warning before it actually hits Earth. So all of these things are going to have to be deployed within 60 you'd... to 90 minutes if we suddenly find that it is a th- troublesome storm.
1: You think you'd rather just not even say anything and just, just let it happen? Because a lot well, of no, times... Well, no, because if, if
0: you're a pilot, you kind of need to know that that's going to happen.
1: No, but... Yes, Okay. But what about people on the ground? What are you going to do? You're just going to create this huge, enormous
0: panic. But not necessarily. People need to be able to turn off their computer systems. You know, they need to be able to disconnect the battery from their car. You know, those types of things. It is important that we know. Mm. But maybe it's going to become <laughs> a, a... You're killing me with the videos today.
1: I can't help it.
0: The... Um, you know, at the moment, people have drills, don't they, with um, uh, earthquakes and, you know, those types of drills. You know, when you're in California, yeah. you, you knew about that, that, that people would have these earthquake drills. So, you know, maybe in the future, as our atmosphere depletes, because our, obviously our ozone layer is what protects us from a lot of these this solar radiation, Um As that gets worse, we're going to become even more susceptible to these solar flares, and then it's going to become more of a regular event for us. So we're going to have to be able to, um, you know, maybe get into practice some of these things that we're going to need to do to protect ourselves.
1: So I was having a thought, like, this morning. Unbelievably, I had a thought. But um, I was having a thought, like, what if... You know how they're always on TV and they've got all these people who are saying you've got to protect the ozone layer and, you know, emissions is affecting stuff and climate change and all of that, right? I just thought to myself, wouldn't it be messed up if it's not actually as bad as they're saying it is, but they're saying it's that bad to try to get people to.
0: Well, I hope that is the case. I do hope it's not as bad no, but as what I'm,
1: No, but I mean, like you don't know do you because the governments, they all kind of But then I guess that would be the world that would have to be in on it, wouldn't it? The world, all of the leaders. It's the same
0: with it's the same with this vaccine stuff, you know, the world would have to be in on it if there was some big cover up in terms of the vaccine and the virus because you know, the world is striving to get there, you know there are people vaccinated so i know that there's a lot of people that i follow people that have even been on this show um that are sort of anti-vaxxers if you if you want to call it that people that think there's something else going on um i don't know uh jury's out as far as i'm concerned but
1: for me i'm like if i can't prove there's something else going on give me the give me the give me the medicine yeah because even if you are somebody who does believe in conspiracy theories and all that you know when you get sick doesn't matter if there's a conspiracy theory yeah. y- you know get the job at least then you can say oh yeah okay I had it but you'd still be alive if you got sick to be able to
0: yeah I think you've got to gotta have real faith in that um, in that uh, conspiracy theory to you bet your life on it haven't you
1: well I know when they first started talking about the vaccine I'd said to you Oh, I don't. I don't think I'll get it right away, because we aren't going to know, like, about side effects and things like that.
0: And then you let me get it a couple of months before you, and then you're okay. I then. didn't
1: let you. That was your choice. But I'm just saying, <laughs> like, you know. So I, I get why some people would be sort of reluctant, you know, if it's because they're worried about like side effects and things. I and mean, mm. some people just won't get it on principle. Yeah. You know. And they just won't, but if it's somebody who's I teetering. Think, I think
0: people like yourself who worked in the healthcare industry and actually saw what was going on, you know, then you know some of the people that think that this stuff is all a hoax need to be speaking to people like you hmm. you know but anyway let's let's get back on to solar um, flares let 's get back on solar flares. One of the really things um, or one of the things I really wanted to mention was you know Proxima Centauri. That's our closest sun other than our sun. Yeah, it's our next closest. Okay. And there is a planet there called Proxima B, which we've spoken about before on the show. And Proxima B is the nearest planet to us um, that could have habitable life or could sustain life. And the reason is because... The planet is in that Goldilocks zone. It's in that area that is close enough to the sun to be able to sustain water, and therefore to be able to, to sustain life to their sun. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So their sun, as I say, is called Proxima Centauri. Now that has massive solar flares. Um, it's actually a dwarf star, so so it's smaller than ours, but actually that makes it a bit more unstable. But interestingly, the solar flares that are coming off of this, and I find this absolutely fascinating. But there we go. Now, the solar flares that are coming off of that, the light waves are actually a millimetre in in length, which is about that for Bella. That's about a millimetre.
1: For me? What about everybody else?
0: No, no. I mean, I, I, well, everyone else can look up themselves, but I'm just saying <laughs> a, a millimetre, you know, because you're I know more how imperial, it aren't you? Is. Yeah, but yeah. I'm... So I'm. my point is, right, is that that on the scale of light is huge. It's freaking huge. Okay? A millimetre. Because actually, the light waves that we see, visible light, are actually between 400 and 700. You're fucking stifling a yawn again.
1: I am not.
0: You would. I can tell you I wasn't. I <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 wasn't, but if you keep talking about it, you're just going to make me yawn.
0: 400 to 700 nanometers is, is the size of the visible light that we're used to, right? Now, a nanometer... Is actually a a millionth of a millimeter, right? So split that millimeter into a million, and that's four hundred of those. Is is what we would, you know, normally have between our our um, light that we're used to. So the fact that Proxima B is being a- actually bombarded with this these massive light waves, it's actually a lot closer to the their sun. It has to be because. With it being a dwarf star, it's a lot smaller, therefore has less um, heat that it's pushing out on a day-to-day basis. So Proxima B is closer to Proxima Centauri than what we are to our sun, And, and it's still in a habitable zone. Yeah. So with it being that close to Proxima Centauri, when it's getting bombarded with these solar flares that are big anyway, it's really getting pounded. And so scientists are now wondering, actually, whether that is actually wiping out life that might be on the planet. And there's one school of thought where some scientists think, well, it could be wiping out life on the planet because when the solar flare hits, it actually damages their atmosphere, Okay, right. which means that their atmosphere wouldn't be able to be um, contained correctly and then therefore wouldn't support life. And other scientists are actually saying, well, actually, that might actually, that might actually create life because... Ultraviolet light actually causes a change in genes. That's why we get skin cancers and that sort of stuff. It changes molecules. It sta- changes genetics. And so actually, the amount of ultraviolet light that it's being hit with may actually encourage life. So it's quite interesting. I just thought that was a really…
1: Yeah. So what's our sun actually called?
0: Um. I don't know the answer to that.
1: Because, like, the one you were just talking about, they got a fancy, fancy name, but we just have
0: sun. I don't know. I don't know. And now, if it's something obvious, <laughs> it's like our moon is called Luna.
1: I'm going to look it up.
0: Yeah, you better, because, <laughs> you know, it's probably called solar.
1: Probably called Son. <laughs> it's <probably just> <laughs> Son.
0: See now this is what we usually do when we're cutting, you know, we'll we'll pause the the um the recording and we'll Google something so that we don't look fucking stupid. Um
1: We look stupid anyway, but Yeah.
0: But now Bella is on her phone and I'm trying to fill time. Which isn't working very well, I just hope that she goes quick. Please tell me you actually typed what is our son called, and not just "son" and an
1: Name of our son.
0: Okay, well, what is it then? Son. It's
1: it called <laughs> soul, son? Sol. S O L or son.
0: Oh, there we go. Well, Sol is is Spanish for son, isn't it? And oh, there we are. And I, I so.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: How to make us look stupid on YouTube? So that
1: sucks, but but, so that one gets It doesn't really, suck,
0: it was yeah, it good does. because if it had been called something, and we'd have gone,, oh, I never knew that, I never knew our son was <laughs> called Peter,
1: <laughs> yeah you know? uh, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I'm just saying, like, yeah, proxima- Proxima Centauri, <laughs> and then we've got son. Mm.
0: Yeah, well, Proxima means close, doesn't it? So it's probably... Well, I
1: know that, but I'm just I don't saying. know what Centauri
0: means, but I'm just saying, you know, it probably means close something. I mean,
1: couldn't they give it a different name, like Boileus Hot Thing or something? <laughs> Boileus Hot Thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Colin, what, what did you have for today?
1: <laughs> big, <laughs> big ball of gas. I mean, like, why why they have to do sun? yes okay ask a scientist so, uh, so what you're wanting to know about this best diet in the world duh. yes Yes. yes. tell right. me please seriously this is going to make a lot of people skinny well it, uh, it has a potential so there is this island it's it's an Italian island and it's called Sardinia
0: yeah Sardinia it's quite a famous island
1: so yeah. what would you think of the w- first thing I thought was oh this must be about sardines right sardinia <laughs> sardines no see that would that would make me lose weight right if 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 i'd eat sardines i'd be really really skinny you're okay? not much
0: of a fish fish person are you
1: no however there is uh a type of cheese that's made there that's made with maggots alive maggots
0: Alive maggots. Yes.
1: And they're in the cheese, and it gets like a crust or something on the (laughs) top of this cheese. And then you break the top, and then it's all wiggly. Well,
0: they can't still be wiggling in the cheese, surely.
1: Well, they have to be, don't they? Because the whole point is that some people say it's an aphrodisiac. Be quiet, I'm talking. And some people say that if you don't eat these maggots and kill them while you're chewing them, that they could get inside your intestines and perforate your intestines. So you've got like a sieve intestine.
0: So they are alive. I thought you meant they were alive when they went into the cheese, but no. they're alive still in the cheese.
1: Yes, and they and they use so it's sheep's milk and maggot to make this cheese. Can
0: you imagine that? Like spreading it in, spreading it on some toast because we like like cheese on toast and that sort of stuff. And you spreading it on toast, and you put it down on the plate, and you have a chat with it your missus <laughs> and you look, it, and the fucking toast is walking away. <laughs>
1: Well, it would be fine for me. I don't mind. It can go wherever it wants because it is never going to cross these lips and get into this here stomach. But um, <clears throat> just in case you were wondering, they they cannot sell it commercially.
0: So why would a cheese producer produce a cheese that you can't sell? I don't get it.
1: Well, I don't know because I'm not a cheese person. I mean, I, I'm not a cheese maker. You're not but, a cheese person. But can you, can, can you imagine if that? If you were,
0: you would be silly string.
1: And you, <laughs> and you thought coming to America and having crabs was gross.
0: No, 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 no. I don't think the crabs are gross. I like crab, right? What I thought was gross, and I've never seen this, and, and people in the UK, honestly, I'll see if I can find a picture of it, and I'll stick it up like... <laughs> there okay what what (laughs) kind of stuff in fact i might even have a picture of the actual stuff that we at at bella's (laughs) right so that you can get an idea um and uh, in this country if you have crab you have a crab okay a crab her mate turned up with a fucking i've got to stop swearing because i've got to. this is now going to have to be a subscriber only episode sorry guys subscriber only episode because i swore youtube doesn't allow you to have swearing on a non-subscriber episode so subscribers only are going to hear this i had a uh, uh, your mate turned up what was his name
1: i can't remember oh that's terrible
0: he turned up with a marty s- marty marty turned up with a uh flipping santa claus, santa claus sack over <laughs> his shoulder right of crab i mean this was a trawler full of crab that he had in this sack and wooden mallet and a wooden mallet and newspaper and i'm like (laughs) this this is some crazy ass what's 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 going to happen here and he cleared your dining room table Mm -hmm. he put this newspaper all over the dining room table picked up this sack and and i'm not (laughs) kidding honestly and poured all of these crabs onto this table. Um, they were all covered in Old Bay seasoning. Um, for those people that know that in America, it's amazing. And those people in the UK, you can buy it here if you look. Old Bay it's amazing. Amazing with prawns and, and anything. Chicken. Seafood, really. Chicken. It's amazing with chicken. Anyway, it was all covered in this stuff. My mouse watering now. The taste of it was lovely. What I couldn't handle is the <laughs> s- sheer massacre that was going on with you, you guys just. <laughs> I mean, it was like some kind of medieval flipping unbelievable. Honestly, Nemo and Dory. You know, and Spongebob and all of those people that we associate Mr. Krabs,
1: with. Mr. he's probably not very happy, is he? They would
0: have been absolutely <laughs> shitting themselves because of the kind of stuff that was going on with these crabs. I couldn't... That that was what turned <laughs> my stomach, was just the sheer carnage of it.
1: Well, that's how you do it. And
0: the quantity. If it was just one, <laughs> you know, if we just ripped a crab apart, you can get over that because, okay, that's gone, that's done now. Now I can get on with eating it. But it was constant. Everywhere I looked around the table, someone was ripping a crab apart. Okay. No, you don't want to eat that bit. That's called the devil something. And you don't want to eat that bit because that'll choke you. And you don't want to eat that bit because that's poisonous. And, you know, but don't worry about it. <laughs> Crazy. So, anyway, yes. So, how is this a diet? It's not a diet. It's just. Would you, you eat it? Okay, I wouldn't eat it, but I'd go then. the chocolate that's a fudge diet. next to it. No,
1: no, that's it. That's a diet. Nails, we're trying to do a
0: podcast here.
1: I would, I would look at it, and then I would look at somebody d- d- cracking open the top and the little wigglies coming out, and then that would be it. I wouldn't want anything to eat. Good diet.
0: I, I, to be honest with you, you not having anything to eat would be good for me as well. I'll tell you why sorry ladies and gentlemen this is maybe going to get a little bit too graphic but we don't need to do this but i need to share this with you i went to the bathroom this morning and once i'd finished and i was wiping i thought hmm i have a spot on my ass don't you hate those when you get a little like pimple on your ass you know it's a a fucking popcorn (laughs) <laughs> you were eating, <laughs> eating popcorn and, uh, last night and it travelled with me out of bed to the bathroom. I finished what I was doing in the bathroom and it was only when I was wiping that I found this spot that was a bit of popcorn embedded in my ass cheek.
1: <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> that's funny. Oops, sorry, I said the s word.
0: I've it's already got to go on a uh, uh, subscriber-only one now, anyway, so yeah. So it wasn't an actual. Curl. No, it was, a, it was a piece of. It was a piece of popcorn, like a bit that you know you get little bits of it. <laughs> Stuck to my right arse cheek.
1: <laughs> oh god, that's funny as fuck. I wish I'd have been awake then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The funniest thing was was when I I sort of scratched it, because obviously, you know, I think I got a spot and it came off and I thought, fucking awesome, that spot's not going to be there for long.
1: <laughs> oh, God, my stomach hurts.
0: Anyway, thank you guys for listening um, once again uh, to our section, at least. Obviously, we've got Richard and Ruth coming up now, as you know. Um <laughs> Don't forget you can support us with our buy a coffee link, if you wouldn't mind. That would really help us out. That would
1: Um, be the buy some popcorn link. (laughs) Uh,
0: So yes, if you could help us with buy me a coffee, that would be absolutely great. We really appreciate that. Um, Thank you to all the people that are contributing. When you contribute, by the way, we will mention your name and give you a thumbs up and everything on here. So uh, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, Don't forget you can go over our website, www.weirdwaggywonderful.co.uk and you can reach us on all the social media links as well. Bella's fallen asleep, so I've got to carry on.
3: I'm not falling asleep.
0: Please (laughs) welcome along Richard and Ruth.
3: Hi, everyone. I can't believe summer has finally arrived. After all that rain, it's such a relief to actually get some sunshine for a change. We're all starting to get out and about a little bit more now. So don't forget when you're ghost hunting to send any of your experiences you want to share to wa-1400 at outlook.com. I'm starting this month with an article I found written by Claire Reed in Lad Bible on the 28th of May this year. The article explains that mum of two Laura Watson from Newcastle took her son Byron, daughter Charlotte and their cousin Jack on a trip to Plessy Woods Country Park back in 2018. She says that no one else was with them that day. The park is a few miles north of the city and makes a great place for a family day out. Whilst at the park, the family group found a big old tree with low, strong branches, the kind of tree that is suitable for climbing. And Laura says she asked the kids to climb up into the tree for a photo. In one of the photos she took that day, the oldest lad has climbed several branches up off the ground and is standing behind the main trunk of the tree, peering through a fork in the branches. You can see his head, his left hand and his right leg. Below him, Charlotte is sitting astride a thick, large thick branch with her ankles crossed under the branch. She has leaned forward and is resting her chin on her folded arms so you can pretty much see all of her. The youngest lad, Byron, is standing on the lowest part of the slightly sloping main trunk and is leaning backwards holding a football in front of him. It makes for quite an artful shot of a family grouping and frankly of better quality than you normally see in family photos. Behind Byron and given the positioning, apparently standing directly behind the tree, you can make out what looks like another young dark-haired lad looking over Byron's shoulder. You can also make out something actually on Byron's shoulder which might be a hand. The additional face is perfectly clear, in colour and you could easily assume someone was just standing there and photo-bombed the picture. You can see their left eye, part of their nose and left cheek, and half of their head with short, cropped, dark hair. The face is noticeably pale. The mother, Laura, claims that no one was with them that day, and no one else was nearby. She points out, probably accurately given the angles and positioning of everybody in the picture, that either Charlotte or Jack, from their vantage points. Would have been able to clearly see if anyone else came up to the tree from behind she is quoted as saying at the time it's very unusual and everyone is really freaked out me and my daughter couldn't even go to sleep last night because we were so scared when i got home i put the picture on the computer and when i zoomed in and i was able to see it closer i thought what is that thing behind byron it looks like a child to me i don't know if it's a b- girl or a boy But I can see this face, it looks like the hand is on my son's shoulder, which is very bizarre. Some people have said I must have photoshopped it, as they can't believe it. But I've explained that I wouldn't even have a clue how to do anything like that. It was literally taken on a phone. I'm rubbish with technology, and I'm just not the kind of person to do that. I don't know much about the history of the woods, but some people are saying that many moons ago, a young boy drowned in the river there. It is a particularly creepy looking photo, to be honest, and well worth taking a look at if you're interested. My only reservation about it, really, is that in the article, Laura, the mother, claims that she and the three children were alone in the park. Yet in one of the photos, all four of them appear. So who was the fifth person taking that photo? And if there was a fifth person with them, could it not just have been them in the creepy photograph? And afterwards, the family thought, hey, it looks like you've got a ghost standing behind you if we say no one else was with us. I've had a quick dig around and I can't find any ghost stories pertaining to the park itself. And to be honest, I'm always a little sceptical of people being quoted as saying many moons ago. It's a literary turn of phrase and not one you really hear spoken all that often, unless actually recounting a story. Still an intriguing photo, though, if genuine. So take a look. Just Google Plessy Park ghost and you'll find it easily. But whilst digging around, I came across another article, this time from the Daily Star in July 2019, where another family had captured a strange image whilst out for the day and taking snaps of the children. Charlotte Harding, 30, visited St Fagan's National History Museum in Cardiff in June 2019 with her own children, her friend, and the friend's children. The friends took pictures of themselves and the children playing on some toy ride-on tractors and dumper trucks on a muddy bit of ground, with some weeds and loosely trimmed bushes behind them. In one of the pictures, there seems to be a half-formed image standing in the weeds behind where they were playing. It looks partially transparent, and parts of it looks to be obscured by the weeds in front of it, which makes it particularly interesting, as that tends to suggest that it is not a camera glitch. The article claims that Charlotte discovered that the Battle of St Fagans took place here in 1648, in which around 200 soldiers were killed. It says she researched that and found that parliamentary uniforms looked just like what Charlotte caught in her picture. Charlotte, who is from Cardiff, said, the majority of people who have seen the photo think it is two soldiers in civil war uniforms, like two men talking together. I can see it too. I had no idea they wore a blue uniform in the Civil War, but then I googled it and saw the uniform is the same. I couldn't believe it. I also think one might have blood coming down from his head. When I checked the other photos, I then saw what looked like figures in another picture too. The figure does seem to be wearing something blue, but I'd be hard pushed to describe it as a uniform. It simply isn't clear enough to say what it is. I'd also be hard pushed to say there are two figures there talking to each other in the image but there is something dark and blurry to one side of the partially formed figure, so maybe that's just a question of interpretation. And there was indeed a civil war battle at St Fagan's in May 1648, and around 200 men were killed, with another 3,000 captured. The parliamentarians defeated the royalists. It is, however, simply not true to say the parliamentarians, or anyone, was wearing blue uniforms. In the civil war, Troops were formed by wealthy lords or landowners, fighting for either one side or the other, and they were hastily formed for the most part, with no such thing as a uniform for either side. In fact, when the battles raged, it was practically impossible to tell who was friend and who was foe, so each side took to wearing brightly coloured sashes into battle to avoid being killed by their own side. The parliamentarians wore either pale blue or orange sashes, with orange being far more common as it was the colour of the House of Essex. And the royalists wore bright crimson red swans. Now I might be being a bit pedantic over this, but it's one of my personal bugbears. Whenever ghosts are seen or ascribed to a location, we seem as a nation to have a tendency to make them something important. They're ghosts of highwaymen or royalty, Or noblemen, or nuns, or monks, or soldiers, people who play a significant role in our history. We don't seem to like to look at a vague outline of a figure without trying to ascribe it to a particular era to fit in to the history we expect. Here, we know there was a battle, so the ghostly figure must be that of a soldier, and that must be a blue uniform he's wearing. The fact that there is nothing in the image which suggests either soldier or uniform is conveniently ignored. I'd rather be a bit more open-minded and honest about what we see. The photo, and please do look it up for yourself and see what you think about it, shows to my eye what looks like a mostly transparent, partially formed figure standing in some weeds. There's a fleshy coloured area which could well be a face, with a darker area above it which could be hair. The rest of it is in a distinctive blue, which makes it noticeable in the green, fawn, grey and brown weeds. Behind it, or maybe in front of it, it is hard to tell from the angle, there is another shape, but this one is just a sort of dark, smoky blob. There is absolutely nothing about it which says soldier to me, or uniform. So I think that is reaching to make it's, what is seen fit the known history. But the fact that it is there at all should in its own right be sufficiently interesting for us. It's a figure, and it looks paranormal and out of place. I'm really careful when researching for my books not to try and influence what people tell me they have seen in any given location. I think it's much more interesting and much more valid in terms of research into the paranormal to simply recount as accurately as possible exactly what anyone did see or feel or hear. And if that means I get four or five completely different sightings in one place with nothing apparently linking them, then so be it. Maybe what that indicates is that the place is prone to unusual phenomena, which might manifest itself in a number of ways. Or maybe it means that the old tales of boggarts or sprites or elementals have something to them, and these various different sightings from different people are manifestations of that energy. Sometimes I get a location where numerous people report the same type of experience. The haunting around the Bedfordshire village of Risley, mentioned now in several of my books, is one example. I think I'm up to eight modern-day accounts of the same type of apparition there now. To my mind, that speaks much more eloquently of the traditional idea of a haunting. People are seeing the echo or spirit of something that was once living still hanging about the area. Another good example is also in Bedfordshire, near North Crawley, where I now have a number of accounts of people encountering the same figure on this particular stretch of road. And you might even have heard me talk elsewhere about my own experience encountering the figure. I found another couple of accounts relating to that road, where no figure was actually seen, but a distinct sensation experienced. Which begs the question whether sometimes hauntings don't fully manifest for whatever reason, and you get kind of an echo or a glimpse of something, rather than the full-blown thing itself? Either way, even though the weather has finally turned into long hot summer days, when your thoughts are more about having fun in the sun than chasing ghosts, Remember to check each of your family snaps carefully for anything untoward that might be lurking in the background. Both of the photographs I started with on today's episode were taken in broad daylight on normal family days out. Have fun!
2: Hi, and welcome to the Weird Wacky Wonderful. Yes, it's me, Rich Lenny, ufologist from the UK, speaking to you from somewhere on planet Earth. Well guys, I hope you've had a good month, and uh, from our 100th episode last month, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope it was very informative. Now, quite a lot's happened this last month since I spoke to you last, and I want to start straight away with uh, the uh, UFO phenomena with The government saying they were going to give us some insight into what was going on. Well, this report that they're supposed to be sending to us has finally come by the looks of things. It's from The Guardian. The US government report finds no evidence, I repeat, no evidence of UFOs. um, No evidence at all, basically, that the UFOs were alien or extraterrestrial. But they're not ruling it out, so that's what they're saying. US intelligence authorities have not found any evidence that unidentified flying objects seen by Navy pilots in recent years were otherworldly alien spacecraft, but apparently did not rule it out either. Um, <clears throat> of course, we're talking about these black and white images that were taken from the planes. Uh, one was nicknamed the Tic Tac UFO. Officials cannot explain the strange movements in the skies that continue to baffle the United States military and scientific establishment, the New York Times has reported, based on information from senior administration officials who were briefed on the outcome of a much-awaited government assessment about these phenomena. Uh, The report finds that an overwhelming majority of more than 120 sightings in the past 20 years did not come from any U.S. military or other government technology, officials told the newspaper. This finding appears to rule out the possibility that Navy pilots were made, who made reports about aerial phenomena had potentially come across technology from uh, initiatives that the U.S. government was trying to keep secret. So, ex-Senate Major- um, Majority Leader Harry Reid on UFOs, uh said basically was a report so he's he's um he's saying that you know there's got to be more to it than than um our technology so either basically what he's saying i suppose is that we've got this stuff back engineered uh, and um another government is uh, testing it and then the navy sees it and can't understand what's going on because they don't know anything about it or it is actually extraterrestrial either way you know uh, if it's back engineered then it's got to come from somewhere so it's got to be from a downed alien spacecraft we want to call it alien ET whatever extraterrestrial um, so either way whether it those videos that we've all seen have been you know sent around the world either they were controlled there and then by extraterrestrials and the Navy picked it up on their cameras. Or it was another government within the government testing them. And um, that was also uh, back-engineered from uh, original alien spacecrafts that obviously crashed here on Earth at some point in the past. Uh, so I don't know. Um, I wasn't expecting an awful lot, to be honest with you. I put it up on my Facebook page that we were awaiting some sort of confirmation, but I'm pretty disappointed with this, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know what else to say about it really I have been in talks I may have spoken to you about this before there is um, how can I put this there's a group of um, professional people there are a hundred in total they're all around the world um, and there's one man that sort of controls it all they're all different nationalities we've got I believe two here in the UK So what they are is they're ex-military, so they're retired admirals, uh, majors, you know, pilots, they're people of distinction, Um, we've got um, scientists, professors in here, you know, there's a whole genre, they're all really high caliber type of people, and what they've done is they've got together in this sort of like um, little group, well it's not little, but there's 100 of them in total, but they've got together in this this group and they've spread out across the world. So, of course, they communicate via Skype and phone. And what they do basically is, is they look into a story which they find very interesting and then they'll basically go out in the field and try and figure out what's going on. Basically, like I used to do when I was younger and I used to go to people's um, houses that were seeing strange stuff. And what they'll do is they'll take the data from that and then they'll go back and, and they've got labs that they can still use and, and they've got stuff at home because they've got the money and they can do this and then basically see what they can get out of it. Well, I actually spoke to the guy that runs it all. I won't say his name. I mean, they've sent me stuff that I can't show on, on the Internet. I mean, they've sent it to me and I can't share it. So it's unfortunate because I want you to see stuff that they've sent me. It's just amazing. I mean, especially as it's been used. Um, like flare guns and stuff like, very expensive flare guns, and they've caught craft, extraterrestrial craft, literally following, you know, our airplanes in the sky. The 737, for example, was being followed by something that looked like Thunderbird 3. Well, anyway, so they're doing all this technology, and basically how I got hold of them was they, they got me through Facebook, and I happened to be following one of them without realizing it, and he said, Rich, you're onto it. You're doing the right thing you know, on track, you know, because I've been talking about infrared. I've been talking about night vision. I've been talking about flare guns, um, forward-looking infrared, they're called, um, which, of course, are fitted to planes and helicopters and stuff, where well, you can buy handheld ones. Well, they're using military, which is about, you know, $20,000 a piece. And, of course, they've got the money. They can get the technology and they can get the stuff. So, anyway, they sent me that. And, the, and then I spoke to this chap who runs it all, I I found him through this guy that sent me this video hoping he would get back to me and he did. So I asked him if I could Skype him and he said sure. So I Skyped him for an hour, Um, in fact it was nearly two hours, it was over an hour, nearly two hours and we had a great chat. Um, At one point he thought he was going to have to go because um, there was a tornado in the area but luckily it didn't go where he was living so we could carry on talking. And he said to me that that Tic Tac UFO was giving off some sort of a plasma uh, sort of distortion around it. And he reckons that was to do with the propulsion. But the whole thing was just amazing. I mean, it was real. You know, it wasn't faked. um, And as far as he was concerned, it wasn't another government back engineered it. He, He thinks this was Extraterrestrial, but he, of course, he you know, he's not 100% certain, but he thinks it is. And it came from the sea. I don't know whether they actually said that, but these things are coming out of the sea into the air. And at one point, there was two of them, um, and then there was only one. We only see one, but apparently, there was two to begin with, and they were basically playing with them. They were playing with these F 18s. Um, I spoke to the guy that was on the Nimitz at the time who was on the radar scope that told the F-18s to turn around, go back, because they were originally going to do something completely different, uh, and to track these UFOs that eventually became one. And they were basically toying with them. And what they did was, one of the F-18s was up, I think, around about 45,000 feet. Um, the other one was on the deck, because what they were trying to do, because, like I said, they were playing with them. They were all go- They were going all over the place. So one was high, one was low. And they were trying to sort of like catch up with it to be able to get a closer look at this thing. But it kept just shooting away all the time, you know. They couldn't catch up with it. And when they did catch up with it, they only got that little bit of footage. And then, of course, it would shoot off again. This thing was phenomenal. I mean, the speeds that it was going was just crazy. At one point, it was just skipping over the water. But these things do come from the water. And I do believe that one of the pilots said that they actually saw it dive into the water. So there you go. So, yeah, these things are real. Um, 99% certain they're extraterrestrial. If not, they're definitely back engineered. But no, I, I don't think they're. I don't think this was done by another government. I think this was actually extraterrestrially controlled. Something or someone was controlling that. You know, it was definitely being intelligently controlled by something. Whether there was someone inside it, I don't know. I personally don't think there was. I don't think it was big enough even for a little ET to be inside it. I think it was a drone. Um, controlled by an ET that was you know maybe in space or under the sea and it was just toying with the F-18s so anyway um, I put it all up on my Facebook page go to my Facebook and, and you'll see it up there now the next thing I want to talk about um, is the missing 411 I know I keep on about this missing 411 business but I think this is um, something you should hear now I'm looking at my Facebook page right now, and it's the last post that I put up, 3rd of June. I'm going to read it to you. I've put, please watch this video as the last one, because he talks um, about uh, two or three people. Um, the last one is from the UK, because of course the majority of what he talks about is from America. But this one, this chap is from the UK, okay, he went missing. Um... And then I've put, this is happening throughout, throughout the United Kingdom. Obviously, people are going missing in the United Kingdom mysteriously. But David Politis has said, in fact, in the last 15 years or so, it's more prevalent here in the UK than it has been in the United States. And when he said that, I was like, whoa. So I suppose what he means is, because the size of our country compared to America, The amount of people that we've got going missing here, you know, it's getting a lot worse. And it doesn't have to be in national parks or forests. It can be anywhere. And when I first started, when I very first discovered David and I started like doing my research on the missing 411, I just assumed it was only national parks and forests. So if you didn't go into any of those places, you'd be fine. (laughs) no. It can happen anywhere. You can be in your car on the motorway. You can be literally at your back door having a sneaky cigarette. You can be literally in your garden. You can be on your swing. You can be talking to your friends in the kitchen. And then you go upstairs to get a book you want to show them. I mean, it is literally that quick and and, and, and you're gone. And I didn't realize at the time that it can happen literally anywhere. This last one, um, I won't say his name. I want you to watch the video because obviously, you know, the parents um, of this poor chap, um, they must have been devastated. But um, yeah, you've got to to watch it. Um, It's a very, very strange story about how he uh, went missing and then he was found. But I'm not going to say any more than that. But the video's up. It's very important you watch it. The other ones are interesting as well. The other chap's a soldier um, who went missing. So, you know, but these people, I mean, the one from the UK, he was only a young chap, but he was brilliant. He, you know, from what I can remember, he was a Christian. And they all seem to be, by the way, which is odd, but there you are. They all seem to be devoted Christians or they practice Christianity. Um, which is interesting, I think, don't you think? I think that's interesting. Um, and they're also brilliant at something. They've got a brilliant mind or they're very clever in a certain subject. Um, so in other words, they're doctors, they're nurses, they're dentists, they're military, they're, you know, they all seem to have um, a very good uh, background. They a lot of them have letters after their names, you know. They are professional people, but they have a purpose and they're very good at what they do. And it's only these types of people that go missing. You know, um, I don't want to start putting people into categories, but you get my point. What I'm trying to say that they, they seem to be very particular about who they take. They don't just take anybody, which, again, is what I thought when I first started doing my research on the missing four one. I thought they only get taken from parks and it can be anybody, literally anybody. And it is anybody, um, old, young, you know, black, white. They they don't discriminate, Um, you know, boy, girl, man, woman. But when I delved into it more from what David's done on his research, which, of course, is extensive, I found that they do have something. The very young children that go missing, you know, like five and six years of age, the parents even say about them that they're amazing for their age. I mean, there's a five-year-old that went missing. Um, Again, you'd have to go back through on David Politis' videos. He was five. No, sorry, I beg your pardon. He was seven when he went missing. But get this, when he was five years old, Do you know what he wanted for his birthday? He asked his mum and dad if he could have a picture of Joseph and Mary to put over um, on his ceiling in his bedroom, to put over his bed. And they said, why do you want a picture of Joseph and Mary for your birthday? And he said, because it makes me feel safe, mummy. So they they got him it and they put it over his bed. um, And every night he would pray before going to sleep, we're talking a five-year-old. A five-year-old. Anyway, two years later, he um, he got taken and they never, ever found him. He was seven. But he was brilliant, apparently. You know, I mean, for a seven-year-old, he was like a 15-year-old in, you know, in age. He didn't act like a seven-year-old. And when he was five, he didn't act like a five-year-old. But who at the age of five asks for a a picture of Joseph and Mary. I find that fascinating, you know? Uh, Power Rangers, you know, yeah, (laughs) or something or whatever they they watch today. But, you know, Joseph and Mary, that was incredible. If he'd been, I don't know, 12 or 15 or something, yeah, okay, maybe. If he was like devoted Christian, I, I would get it, you know? but um a five year old I don't know and i I think does that have something to do with it, but they are, like i said ninety nine point nine percent of everybody that gets taken is a devoted Christian, and I find this fascinating and it's got to have something to do with it it has to it, there's got to be a there's got to be a connection there, and um you know it's quite frightening as well when you think about it, but what's going on and you know, why are all these Christians being taken? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, It keeps me awake at night. It does. Seriously, I, I get to the point now where I've, I've done so much research on it, and the more I find, the more disturbing it becomes. I get to the point where I think, wow, you know. and And literally anybody can get taken at any time. I suppose if you, if you, um, if you fit that criteria, you know, where you're a very brainy person, age, like I said, and color and creed doesn't matter. If you're very brainy, you're a devoted Christian, um, all I can say to you is be careful. And if you ever do go out and you um, separate from your family, please make sure that you've got, you know, stuff on you like a locator beacon. Or something like that if you're in america i you know take a full a small firearm or something like that with you because nobody's ever been taken with both those items on them a locator beacon will cost you probably about 200 pounds 150 100 pounds something like that upwards um, if you take a cell phone i know they do have some sort of a, a locator beacon built into them but apparently if you take an actual proper locator beacon which is separate from the cell phone, Um, and you take a a small firearm, sidearm with you as well, Um, even if you just put it in your rucksack or something like that, you know, you should be fine. Okay? You should be fine. And remember, take a map, a hard map, I'm talking about in case your phone fails, because a lot of times when you're in these parks, um, the phone, your cell phone stops working. I don't know if you knew this, uh, if if you're following David, but Your phone doesn't always work, which is why he takes a sat phone. Sat phones seem to work, but cell phones don't. And by the way, you can buy sat phones with an SOS button on it, a locator beacon built in. So they're good to have, and he's got one, because he actually showed it on one of his videos. So maybe you might want to take that as well, or get one at some point. But just trying to say, you know, it's best to be safe than sorry, Um, because obviously parks are opening up now, people are starting to go out. Please, please, please be careful and take these things. And also, if you are going to take um, new boots, don't forget to wear them at home a couple of weeks before you go because you want to wear them in. Otherwise, you could be uh, in a lot of pain when you go out hiking. And on that note, I think I'm going to leave it. I've gone on a bit longer than usual, but I wanted to put this across because it's getting worse. A lot more people now are going missing than ever before. And it doesn't have to be in parks or forests, it can be anywhere. So be on your guard and um, stay in a group, you know, or if you're with a friend and you go off somewhere for the day and you want to go for a picnic or something, that's fine, that's great. You know, if you're in the UK, you can't take a firearm, obviously, because they're illegal, but please take a, uh, some sort of a transponder with you or something like that, you know, uh, locate a beacon of some kind, because they're fine, they're legal. And stay together. Do not separate, okay? Don't go, oh, I'm going to go this way. You go that way and I'll meet you up the other end. No, 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 no. Do not do that. Stay together, okay? Enjoy the day. Have a great time. But please stay together. Do not separate. That is so, so important. Stay together, okay? Even if one falls ill, you still stay with that person and you phone for help. Do not leave them alone for one moment. That is so important. And on that, guys, I'm going to leave it. So um, have a great June, and I'll speak to you next month. And this is Richard Lenny for the Weird Wacky Wonderful, signing out.